So many people are either really struggling or just feeling stuck and kind of unsure of where to go from here and frustrated. When somebody's asking me, you know, like I'm unfulfilled in my work and I'm not sure what to do next. Instead of what should I do, it's who am I? What are all the things, projects, tasks, careers, whatever that you can imagine doing if you were to be fully utilizing these gifts? Okay, welcome back to another episode of Oh Hi Self, your new home for all things personal development, empowerment, mindfulness, mindset, manifestation, lots of other things that start with M, I'm sure. And today, um, I'm, well, first of all, I'm your host, Sandra Possing, as I sometimes forget to tell you, but hopefully you know that by now. I'm a coach, I'm a speaker, um, I'm a weirdo, I'm a dancer, I'm a cat lover lady, I am a a digital nomad, lifestyle entrepreneur, and lots of other strange things, I'm sure. Today, I am very excited to bring you another guest. Um, I've been hitting you with lots of coach colleagues as guests, and I'm so excited to bring you the one that I have here today, who, um, he doesn't know this, but we've secretly, or I've secretly been in a little friendly rivalry with him on the internet for a while because he has way more Yelp reviews than me, so I'm trying to catch up. But without further ado, let me introduce you today to fellow coach um, and Bay Area badass, Adrian Klapak. Am I saying that correctly? You got it. Okay, awesome. So um, Adrian, I'm going to actually prefer to have you introduce yourself to us because I'm sure that you're going to do it much more justice than if I attempt to. So just how about just a quick bio first, um, and then we'll launch into the deeper stuff in a second. Sure. Thanks for having me. I am a career coach and purpose guide. I help people find their calling. And I've been doing that since 2006, primarily based out of the San Francisco Bay Area. So I've been doing this a long time now, seen a lot. And my work has always been driven by wanting to help people find a career that is an expression of themselves. So not just a job, but really a way for a person to carry out their purpose, to express their gifts and full potential, uh, to engage deeply in the study and mastery of something that they love, and to have a meaningful impact in the world. And I've built a small company doing that with an amazing team. Our company's called A Path That Fits. So a path that fits is the one where if you go to Yelp in San Francisco, you'll find them. They show up at like the top of all the searches. Um, so like I was saying, Adrian's been on my radar for a long time. I've always kind of, we've never actually met in person. So we've only had one quick um, Zoom chat before this recording. So I'm really stoked to dive in deeper here in a second. Um, but like I was saying, I just, I've been watching him and his company from afar for a while because I've been seeing the work that they're doing in, man, like of all the things, I think we can both <laughs> attest to this, of all the things that, you know, we love to support with pe- people with and of all the things people struggle with, the career conundrum, <laughs> for lack of a better word, like takes such a huge toll. And it's such, um, it ends up being, I find a very draining part of somebody's journey because they agonize over it, you know, for whether it's somebody who's just getting started and trying to figure out what the hell they want to be when they grow up, or if it's somebody who maybe stumbled into a career and they're, you know, mid-career now, but they're like, what the actual hell am I doing? I hate this. Or maybe if um, somebody's just 
I get a lot of people who um, kind of hate their boss or they don't love their team culture or the work environment, or they just don't love the work they do or the industry or whatever it might be. Like so many people are either really struggling or just feeling stuck and kind of unsure of where to go from here and frustrated. And so I'm really, really glad, Adrian, that you're doing the work that you do and that you are doing it with so much soul and purpose too. You know, it's not just about bringing people into like their next paycheck. You, I love that you say you are about helping people find their calling. And so if you can, how about take us through your journey? I always love sharing with our audience, the guests and their journey so that we have some context and backstory on how you became who you are and why you do what you do. Absolutely. I was uh, trying to do everything I could for a long time to become a management consultant. And I got that job out of college, was totally elated about it until I started actually doing the work and quickly realized and admitted, it was, it was hard to admit, but it's so obvious, you know, this is not me. I just had the feeling like I'm not using my gifts. I didn't even know what they were, but I just did not feel like I was in the right place. And it was a hard admission because I thought it was what I wanted to do and had oriented my uh, collegiate education, uh, internships and everything towards that path. But I admitted it and ultimately quit. And I had no idea what to do. It was, it was quite unsettling. Um, but I had saved some money and I was young. I was like, I don't know, 22 or 23 at the time. And so I went traveling. I, I went traveling for six months in Southeast Asia and India. And amidst all of that was doing a lot of soul searching, a lot of reading, a lot of meditation, mindfulness, and internal inquiry. And where it all led me was to this realization that what I've always helped people do is find their way. Not, not when I was doing what I should be doing for school or uh, to become the consultant that I thought I wanted to be. But, but what was just sort of naturally happening was people were coming to me and um, sharing their challenges, their issues, and I was helping them find their way. And when I had that realization, I was like, ah, okay, this, this really feels deeply true about me. And how can I do this? I want to do this work. And it wasn't an immediate transition into coaching, but I started exploring uh, different careers in which I would be in that, in that guiding role, helping people find their way and ultimately uh, found my way to coaching. And, and I'll say about coaching, I always had a problem with the term life coach. I never liked that phrase. And Same. so I was really put off to it. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's, I wish there was a better phrase. Um, because it put me off to the profession. And so I had to kind of get through that a little bit. And I was exploring becoming a therapist, becoming a meditation teacher, becoming uh, an organizational development consultant. But I just kept feeling pulled to the, to the, to the art, to the, to the science, to the thing that coaching was. And so I finally sort of sucked it up and uh, took a course and found out I really liked it and then went, went deeper and got certified and, and built a path that fits. And you and I both, I think you're Coaches Training Institute as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now known as Coactive Training. So it's a very similar background. I remember, I think it was when I was, I was doing a million things at the time, but I was bartending and working for a startup and 
teaching outdoor fit, fitness. Also, definitely trying to find my way at the time. But it was mm. when I had kind of just started realizing that coaching was a thing. And I had like, my soul had sort of accepted the mission. I remember I'd gone and seen this um, EFT practitioner, that's emotional freedom technique. If anybody wants to look that up, she was like a hypnotherapist and EFT and all this stuff. And I'd have this um, like breakthrough session with her, which I, where I was like, I want to help people. I want to be a coach. Okay. But then when I thought about saying the word life coach out loud to another human, I like, it was so cringe to me. I was just like, mm-hmm. I can't, I was thinking about, I'm like, okay, everyone I grew up with, everyone's like a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, <laughs> or like a corporate executive. And I'm going to traipse in here and be like, yeah, I'm a life coach. And oh, I just couldn't, I was right. like, it sounds so California, it's spiritual, crunchy. Like, I love it, but I think no one's going to take me seriously. And I'm, you know, because of course at that point, the, what everybody else was thinking was also very much guiding mm-hmm. the way, but it, it same, it, like, it took me a hot minute to work through that and just get to the point where I was like, well, until I come up with a better term or we all do collectively, like that's just what it's going to have to be. And, you know, you can say personal coach or professional coach or something if you need to, Mm -hmm. but like, oh my gosh, it was definitely a whole thing just to get over that terminology. That's right. Yeah. You mentioned somewhere on your website when I was um, cyber stalking at one point that, so in addition to, you know, the certifications training and different experience that you've been through, you also had um, one of your greatest teachers was a back injury. Would you share a little bit about that with us? Yes. I, I was in chronic pain from the time I was 21 until my daughter was born. What was I? 37. 36, 37. <laughs> I should wow. know this when she was born. Um, so it was, it was awful. It was, it was so difficult um, to be in pain every day and to be so limited. And I was such an active person uh, as a kid and teenager. So it was a huge, huge adjustment change to both be in pain, but also be limited in what I could do. And I remember um, in so many of these trainings, uh, courses, workshops, I would have to lie down uh, because I couldn't sit. It was too painful. I could sit for a little bit, but then I'd have to lie down and it was embarrassing. And people would be like, what this, this person looks like he should be fine and capable, but what's his deal? Why is he lying down on the, the, the side of the floor? So um, it was a huge, huge challenge for me. And I think what it taught me more than anything was was just empathy and and compassion and humility for the the challenges that somebody's experiencing and that you don't know uh by looking at somebody what's what's really going on so yeah uh, to always ask and listen and uh make a lot of space and just have compassion and empathy for what somebody's going through it's amazing how whether it's a physical injury or a traumatic experience or just, you know, something that just doesn't go our way one way or the other, either in a moment or over time and how it's so easy to look back on those things and be like, you know, WTF and why me? And it's not fair. And yet if we get to a place where, and I'm sure meditation and mindfulness practices can help so much with this, but if we get to a place where we can accept it and embrace it and find the growth and the opportunity in it. It's amazing how those things really can become some of our greatest teachers. I remember back in the day, I was very attached to, I was, you know, very like perfectionist. I'll just leave it at that. And when I first had my big injury, that was a ACL tear when I was 17. And it was like all of my, you know, 
my perfect track record, literally of track Mm -hmm. and field and cross country kind of came crumbling down and it just, it felt so unfair. And I was just Mm -hmm. so, I was just like, why not? Why couldn't I have just waited until after I graduated at least so I could finish my high school cross country career, you know, and it's, there's so much energy there, but then once we find a way to come to terms with it and move through it. And I mean, still to, like, I still had, and I've had multiple surgeries since then. I still have tons of osteoarthritis in both knees, but especially that knee and all sorts of other things. And just recently tore my meniscus again, six months ago. And so it's been such a journey, but I, these days it's like, I really can, I look at my knee and even though sometimes I'm like, you naughty little bitch, (laughs) (laughs) I get to be mad at you also, but I'm like, for the most part, I have learned so much from that journey in terms of my relationship with myself and my body, my, like you were saying, just compassion for other people and what they're going through and the ability to take something and recognize that like, you know, yes, there will always be things happening around us. Yes. There'll always be things happening to us. And it's, completely up to us what we decide to make of it. And so it's like, how is this happening for me instead of to me? And what Mm -hmm. can I make of it? And how can I, you know, use this for growth? (laughs) And like, if it's more intense stuff, trauma, how can we turn it into post-traumatic growth instead of getting caught in, you know, in, in a, like a victim mindset about it. So man, so, so nice to have that perspective on things like injuries and setbacks of any kind. And I think that absolutely can apply to career too, you know, for somebody who's been struggling, it's been like, wow, why, why did I waste a decade of my career doing this bullshit that didn't lead anywhere? Yeah. Yeah. And our, and our work can make us sick too. Mm. I think if it's really toxic, if it's really stressed, if it's misaligned with who we are, that over time, I think that can lead to enough stress and disease that it gets expressed as some type of, of pain. I'll also say about my back injury, it it happened when I was 21. It happened the same uh, month that I signed my contract to work for this consulting firm. And there was no actual, actual accident that that caused the herniated disc and sciatica, but it it just showed up uh, when I uh, woke up one morning. So it, it was very odd in that it didn't, wasn't correlated to an accident. When I first started working at the consulting firm, it was it was so apparent that the work wasn't suited for me, but also I was in so much pain sitting at a cubicle for 50 or so hours a week that it was the 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 back pain in my body that also accelerated and helped me realize like I got to get out of here. So I I feel like in some ways I have that pain to thank for uh, helping me more quickly realize that I wasn't on the right path and then ultimately quitting and helping me find my way into coaching, which which, I've been doing for nearly 20 years with great satisfaction. That is, that's such a powerful example of what I would, I, I'm a huge believer that our, our, you know, call it your soul, your higher self, the universe, your inner wisdom, whatever we want to label it. But that part of us or the part of something that's bigger than us that like knows and that we get really good at ignoring, or we just haven't learned how to listen to. And it's like, I think of it as like, you know, if we're, if we're on like a path, a path that fits, right. And, um, we're kind of in alignment and things tend to be flowing. And then when we go off that path, or just haven't found it in the first place. It's like the life will give us clues. And I Mm -hmm. think life gives us like little 
like cute little, I think the universe gives us like cute little winks and nudges. That's like, Hey, you're on the right path. Keep going like wink, wink. Or that's like, Nope, not over there. And like, they're gentle. Um, but if we're not paying attention, then it's like, okay, so, um, I'm going to like a little slap across the face instead. And Mm -hmm. if we're still not paying attention, then big things happen. We get like, you know, slugged across the face with a two by four or, um, really get injured or something can, often happen that that needs to happen in order to just wake us the fuck up and wake up wake us up out of our like autopilot um zombie slumber <laughs> that we can be in just because of our conditioning and our our lack of guidance in these areas so even i mean just taking that whether you somebody believes in that or not choosing to see it from that perspective as like i'm so grateful that happened so that i could wake up and pivot and find the thing that was more aligned yeah Absolutely. So in the work that you do with people, what would be, so on this podcast, we talk a lot about practical tools and I love, um, I love sharing concepts and ideas and, and philosophizing and exploring all the topics, but I also really love to have people walk away with something that they can put in their tool belt that they can use, um, either specifically for a career or that they can use just in their life in general. Um, and it can be, you know, an exercise or it could be a framework or whatever, um, whatever might be practically applied in someone's life. Do you have any favorite tools or frameworks that you love using with clients that you want to share with our people? Well, I'll share a framework that I've developed and used over the years with clients. And then I can also pull out one activity and we could even do it together if you're up for it. I would love a live demo. I'm up for it. Cool. So the, the framework that I've always operated from uh, is when somebody's asking me, you know, like I'm, I'm unfulfilled in my work and I'm not sure what to do next. I always want to say, I always do say, uh, let's not ask, what should I do next? Like, yes, we want to we wanna figure that out. That is the ultimate goal, but it's not the first question to be asking. The first question that I want to ask people is, who are you? So instead of what should I do, it's, who am I? And the reason I ask that question is if you're thinking about what should I do next, usually it's, it's instantly taking you uh, outside of yourself into the, into the realm of possibilities. You know, what's, what's happening outside me, but it's usually totally overwhelming. There's a million different directions to go. We're comparing ourselves to other people. Uh, There's no, foundation or not the same foundation as if we instead sort of put all that on pause and first go, okay, who am I? What am I good at? What do I love to do? Uh, what's, what's my purpose? What am I about? What are my values? Like, how am I wired? What do I need? Whatever questions you want to ask yourself or what areas you want to discover are good, but, but taking that step to first tune in and say, you know, who am I? Um, and then coming back to that question, okay, not what should I do, but how do I do what I am? How do I um, find work or what, what careers, what directions will allow me to use these gifts that I've discovered or engage these passions that I have uh, or meet these needs, these core needs or values that I have. So, uh, to be more specific, when I'm working with the client over a series of sessions, one of the one of the first places I'll start is in that process of discovering what their gifts are. And one of the activities I have, actually, should I pause here? You have any questions about the framework, maybe before I get into the the specific activity we could do together? 
No, just other than to pause and say, hell yes to all of that. And I love the phrase, um, how can I do what I am? Yeah. So then one specific activity to help a client discover their strengths. Uh, so everybody listening can can do this along with us. And uh, Sandra, if, if if you're willing, which you said you are, you know, yes. we can we can take we can take you as an example client. So the activity is to think of some times in your life uh, when you were at your best. And when I say at your best, I mean you're in the flow, uh, you're feeling purposeful, alive, um, you're in your element, let's say. So this, this could be something where you were recognized by others. It could have gone completely unnoticed. It could be a professional situation or accomplishment. It could be a personal situation. Uh, it could have been yesterday. It could have been 20 years ago. It could happen every day. It could have happened only once. I mean, there's, there's really no bounds to this. And while it might be tempting to think professionally, which is fine, I just want to give this sort of uh, caveat for everybody. If you've been in a career that hasn't been that fulfilling and you're only thinking professionally about times when you've been at your best, then you might be missing uh, the clues from your personal life about what your what your true calling is and what you're really uh, built to do. So definitely think professionally and personally. So let's come back to you, Sandra. What mm. what's uh what's some some experience, some time that comes to mind when you were at your best? So one that comes to mind is, and actually for, for the listeners, if you caught um, an episode I did recently with my friend and colleague, Nikki Armitage-Foy, who's in the UK, she, we were sharing when we led a workshop together back in 2012 in London. And it was at a time in my life where I had, so I had just completed, um, I was, I think I had just completed coach training and I'd also just completed, or I was in the middle of leadership training. So I was doing a lot of things where at CTI does very experiential coach and leadership training. So you're up on, you're up on your feet doing things and doing activities with people. And I love the kind of learning where it's mental and embodied. So you're, I, I think I learn best by doing. So I was just feeling very kind of alive at the time in general. I, any sort of retreat setting is like, I'm just absolutely in heaven, whether I'm leading a treat or a participant at a retreat, I would just like spend all year going to retreats if I could. Um, that probably tells me something right there. And so I was just super like stimulated and alive and I felt really connected to people in general. And I was showing up sort of, I had like found a lot of clarity. I'd gone to that program to find clarity and I got clarity and confidence. And through the confidence I was getting, it was a very embodied confidence because I was doing like activities where I'm standing in front of the room, in front of a supportive group and like finding myself in real time with people. And so my friend and I led this workshop together and that was the first, you know, I had done like I was the cross country captain and I, you know, done some public speaking or whatever as a high schooler, but it was the first time and I taught boot camp, and so I was used to standing in front of a crowd, but it was the first time I was standing in front of a crowd, not like giving a speech on whatever cross country or teaching fitness. I was facilitating a workshop and I was like in my power and I was talking about the things I'm most passionate about. And I was getting to like basically facilitate transformation for the first time. And I was using a lot of the tools I had just learned. So they were fresh, you know, and just sitting there with my friend who I absolutely adore. And we were laughing and we were like watching people have epiphanies, like right in front of our 
eyes. And then we'd go back to her flat and would just debrief and stuff. And it was probably one of the first moments where I experienced that level of like aliveness in my own body. It was like, I was walking around, like just my eyes were wide open. My body's just buzzing with energy. And I'm like, so excited and passionate and turned on and tuned in and like lit up. Amazing. That would be one example. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go with that one. So, um, so what we want to do, that was a beautiful description. And what we want to do now is, is together reflect and try to identify what were the strengths that you were using in that workshop to, uh, to make it what it was. So the first one that comes to mind is uh, presence, which mm-hmm. the, the kind of presence where it's like you're not just um, teaching something that you planned the night before. You're so present in the room. You, you have the idea of what you're teaching, but you're watching people, you're reading their body language, and you're like um, reading the room and like feeling the energy and you're noticing the shifts in the, we had a small group of maybe 10 people or something. And so it's like you're, you're seeing how the energy in the room shifts as you're talking about things and then you adjust accordingly. And so it's a kind of, it's like a kind of facilitation that you can't really do unless you're super present. And I think I found that that came some, I had some experience just from fitness and those kinds of things, but I think it came very naturally and I loved doing that and being that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So presence and and almost like, it sounds like embodiment as well. You use that word a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, there was a degree of like, you know, I'm teaching these things, but I'm I'm modeling the thing while I'm teaching it and trying, mm-hmm. you know, very intentionally holding my body in a certain way and doing things with my voice and my energy to mm-hmm. exactly, to, to model whatever it is that we're teaching in the moment. Um, I think speaking and I'll just put speaking, storytelling, and humor kind of in the same clump mm-hmm. there. Um, I don't think I would have necessarily acknowledged or admitted a strength around storytelling or humor. I think it's taken me a long time to like think that that's a thing. I think I've always Mm -hmm. thought other people were funny, but not me. But I think I have a particular brand of humor. And now I've recognized that it's one that can be very effective and some people love it and I love it. And I want to often want to train myself to turn up the dial on it more. Yeah. And I, and I hear that, you know, another way of, of, uh, articulating all that or lumping it together. This is kind of a course summary of it, but communication, great communication. Yes. Yeah. What else? I'm thinking as I'm watching participants in that setting and, and in other settings like it, it's, um, something I've, a feedback I've gotten from multiple people on multiple occasions is, um, like an ability to see, like see something in people that they don't see in themselves and, and basically pull it out, like call it out of them and kind of like paint a picture for them. So it's like, how do I um, not articulate it in the moment? It's like sharing what I see for someone's potential. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes they're like shocked and blown away by it. And I've, you know, moved to tears and, you know, filled with hope once they see what I see so clearly in front of me. And I don't really know right. what to call that. Yeah. What, I mean, a couple of words, phrases that come to mind for me, insightful, uh, a deep, deep seer, deep listening, attunement. I don't know which one, which one resonates for you. I probably like this seer one. Seer. Great. Seer, yeah. Yeah. Like I love, I love sharing with people what, like, here's what I see in you and here's what I see for you. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I'm just kind of calling on like 
I guess, intuition more than anything, mm-hmm. but it's like taking everything that I see them in terms of what I believe they're capable of and then painting a picture that I think makes sense for them in terms of authenticity and alignment. And mm-hmm. So there's some some sort of visioning in that as yeah. well or imagination sort of seeing, seeing like, for somebody you, what's possible. Yeah, it's like here, here's here's the kind of impact that you might not realize you're having on the room, and here's why it's so powerful, and here's why you should own the absolute fuck out of that and celebrate it and lean into it. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, that's like seeing seeing the the best in people, deep seeing intuition, seeing the best in people, and then helping them see what's possible with that, empowering. Totally. Others. Yeah, beautiful. And then you're leading too. It's kind of an obvious one, but you're you're yeah. you're leading. Yeah. Sounds like you have that ability as well. And there's a lot that goes into that and everybody leads in a different way, but you're, you're leading through that um, vibrant presence, vibrant embodied presence through the, the effective communication, storytelling, through that seeing of people, through your intuition, through the possibilities that you can imagine with your creativity for people. And in the communication category, I would add something around either metaphor using metaphors or explaining things in a way that resonates and like lands for the, for the people I'm specifically working with. Uh So that, that attunement piece. Yeah. It's like translating. I think as someone who who grew up speaking multiple languages and who loves language and just like the ability to translate thing. My dad is an amazing teacher. He's an engineer and he, uh, and a music teacher also. And he can like, he just, I think I got a little bit from him on that ability to, to take whatever it is, but, but, translate it, it into the right language and context and metaphor and, and like story that makes sense for the person you're trying to land it with. Great. So that's the exercise to just summarize what we've done. The, the purpose is to identify strengths. And then how did we do that? We thought of a time when you were at your best and we could do this for multiple other experiences. We don't need to do that now, but uh, for everybody listening, you could you could come up with one and then go through this process of identifying, asking yourself, what were the strengths that were being used in this experience? What, what, what was I drawing upon to be at my best? Identify those and then go on to the next experience, identify those. And I think if you do this three, four, five, six, however many times, you'll start to see that there are some themes similar strengths keep showing up. And I'd say it's it's those strengths that continue to show up repeatedly across personal, professional, uh, multiple decades, uh, big experiences, small experience, those those themes are the strengths that are your your gifts. And uh, when you're doing work that's aligned with your gifts, those things that come most naturally, effortlessly for you. They've just all, you've always sort of known how to do them. When, you're, when your work makes use of your core gift, uh, you're going to be most successful and most fulfilled and be, and be making uh, the, the most significant contribution you can make. So that's the, that's the purpose of all of this. Love, 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 love. And as the, as the um, example client in the hot seat here, I can attest to the fact that I had like, you know, a handful of other scenarios in my mind. And if I were to ex- do the exact same exercise for all of those uh, times in my life, like it would have been probably 
like 80 or 90% all of the same qualities. And mm-hmm. then if I can, you know, fast forward to what I do now and what I've been doing for the last decade, I'm like, I literally get to use every single one of these qualities that we just talked about in my work, mm-hmm. either in my one-on-one coaching or speaking or leading workshops or facilitating or here on the podcast or writing or, you know, it's like, and in my free time, I'm doing it anyway, <laughs> you know, sitting mm-hmm. with friends and like going deep and like really, you know, all the truth telling that kind of stuff. So, and it, it those, what the more I lean into those strengths and those gifts, the the more I just feel like free and happy and fulfilled and like so deeply satisfied. And if I, for whatever reason, veer off course temporarily and am not using those things, it's like, I start to feel like whatever the opposite of all those things are like crunchy and like unfulfilled and kind of yeah. dry, and like brittle. Yeah. And when I'm doing this activity with clients, sometimes the experiences that they think of those times in, in life when they were at their best, uh, similar to yours will actually reveal the future career path that they want to pursue. Because like you're saying, Sandra, you're, you're basically doing that now in, in, in that direct way, as well as, as other ways, one-on-one and groups, et cetera, and podcasting in all these different ways. And so sometimes they'll realize uh, through this activity, oh, it's it, that that little thing that I did, you know, for uh, with friends, um, like planning my friend's wedding. Uh, now, you know, now I, I'm realizing I want to plan events. I want to be an event planner, you know. And yeah. and sometimes it doesn't happen so directly. Sometimes it will reveal the, the gifts, and then we'll take those gifts and we'll say, okay, uh, what are all the uh, the things, projects, tasks, careers. Uh, whatever that you can imagine doing uh, if you were to be fully utilizing these gifts. And we'll, we'll start there and just do a, do a big brainstorm. And then once we uh, discover their passions, uh, their purpose, we'll, we'll add in those other layers in refinement. So it's like, okay, with these gifts and these passions, what are the things that you can imagine doing? And then also go into, you know, my own internal database of, of careers and try to uh, figure out how to translate those gifts and passions into a career or, or go into career databases or ask Google or chat GPT now or, or whatever. But but once you know, it's another example of like once you know what your gifts are and what your passions are, it's so much easier to come up with uh, career possibilities than if you're not yet reconnected to those gifts and passions and you're asking yourself, you know, what should I do next? So, so true. Oh my gosh. And it never occurred to me until right the second when you said it to think of chat GPT as a tool for career. I've been looking at chat GPT through the lens of online marketing and like, you know, prompts to help write content and social media and stuff. But I was like, oh my gosh, church career search. Like what are examples of possible careers that X, Y, Z, which, so this is actually the perfect segue to one thing I love in addition to practical tools is examples, like real life examples to inspire us, to spark ideas. So if you can share just any examples you can think of from um, your own client, and obviously as as anonymously um, as you wish, of course, like what are some examples of people who have made changes or have done this process and then found something that was a much better fit? Let's say, so I, I, for whatever reason, tend to work with a lot of attorneys. Um, I don't know why, but they just keep coming. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one example would be, let's say an attorney who's been an attorney for a while, um, doesn't love it, wants to change something up and is trying to figure out, you know, do I need to change the 
Do I need to go, you know, um, go out on my own and start my own firm? Or do I want to just leave the law completely? Or do I want to become some sort of a consultant? Or do I want like, and yet when they look around them, they're like, everybody I know is a lawyer. So I like, I don't have any access to people doing other things. And then, and also everybody in my family's lawyer or that kind of thing where it's like, yeah. they're, they're thinking ha- and they've been successful, but it's like their thinking has been somewhat limited because they've only been ex- exposed to one sort of thing or like somebody else who maybe they're in the nonprofit world and they're surrounded by other people in the nonprofit world. So they're just like, I just literally don't know what's out there. So maybe something like where someone has done a big pivot and gone mm-hmm. to a completely different industry. Mm-hmm. I can think of an attorney who I worked with a while ago now, it was probably over a decade ago now. and she ultimately transitioned from law into nonprofit management. And her transition was driven by her her passions and her values, which led her away from the law towards social justice and then into the arts. And she's now an executive director of a large uh, art nonprofit. And that wasn't the, the immediate sort of next step. And I think that's useful to, to highlight about yep, yep. her career change as well as his big career changes in general. So uh, from where she was as an attorney, her, her first step uh, after she identified that she wanted to, to do something in social justice, but not directly in the law, was to, to start um, researching and uh, exploring networking with people that were doing work similar to, to the to the interests she had. So she started having conversations with people in that nonprofit social justice space. And I can't even remember so long ago, I can't remember her first role, but I know it wasn't executive director. Might have been a, um, a program management role at a nonprofit. And then uh, that was really engaging for her. I remember she was, she was so happy to be in that role and kept working uh, in and around nonprofits and amidst all of that. And she was no longer my client. I saw her through that first big transition out of law into uh, working at a, at a nonprofit. Um, but later we connected, I don't know, stayed in touch a little bit, but connected more recently. And now she has this huge job as, as executive director of this massive arts nonprofit. Um, and when I was asking her about how she got there, she was saying, yeah, the, the, the big thing was the transition out of the law uh, by following that interest. And then uh, over time, you know, continuing to be led by what she cared about, the impact that she wanted to make, what she was most interested in. And, and for her, it was it was arts education. That's such an important point about the when you make a change, whether it's to a different position or industry or like some massive pivot or whatever it is, I think people get so scared because they think they have to have the perfect thing figured out. And they're like, well, you know, if they or, or they think they have to be able to jump directly to whatever this end game is. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, there, there, there might be like three or four little, little lily pads that you can jump on in between or milestones. And yet the more that we can dare to, I mean, it takes so much courage, but the more we can dare to trust like our soul and our higher self or universe or whatever you believe in, that once you just start moving in a direction that's that's a better fit. That's, you know, call it the quote unquote right path or just a path that's more authentic, more online and more based around your gifts and what lights you up. It's like the more we just trust that the path will literally unfold while you're on it, the more it does. And the more, 
the more magically it does. And it's like, then we just kind of lean into it and things start to flow. But I think so many people never get to the point where they dare to even take the jump because they can't see it yet, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I mean, this is so, so true. Also, I've seen people benefit a lot from, from starting their new thing alongside of their existing career. Uh, so if they, if they can't transition into it straight away, rather than what you're saying, you know, rather than saying, okay, I can't do it. It's like, no, how, how can you do it? If, to what extent can you do it now? So I'm, I'm thinking of a, a teacher who was passionate about mindfulness education. And uh, she started uh, learning, training in mindfulness, introducing it in her classroom as she could, as it was relevant, uh, volunteering, doing it on the side. And then it was all that experience that she ultimately gained and then used to get a full-time job uh, working for uh, mindfulness education institute. And she never would have been able, and that was over years, she never would have been able to get that job and actually do the work uh, had she not started the mindfulness education path alongside her her teaching job. I love that. It's like just it's like follow the clues, follow the breadcrumbs. Don't overthink it. Just start. Start somewhere. Do anything. Start. Start any way that you can. Like I get a lot of people who, um, you know, they're working on the career thing, and then we we start talking about things like passions and what gets you excited, and they're kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't have time for that. Like I, you know, I used to paint or I used to sing or dance or whatever, but I'm too busy with this busy job that I hate and I'm parenting and adulting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just got to figure out this career change because I just got to get out from under my toxic boss or whatever. And then I got to find the new thing, but I don't have time to fuck around with painting, you know? And then, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, what if you would just challenge you to like, you know, spend, what if you spend 20 minutes or, and it's like, if they give themselves the gift of just dipping their toe into whatever it is that they love, whether it's like golfing or you know painting or dancing or singing. And then it's amazing the energy they get back by just starting to honor some passion, some interest. I have randomly lately, I keep getting all these gals who are really into, they're super passionate about flower arranging. And like multiple mm. of them are exploring that in different ways. One started a, her own flower arranging business out of her garage. Another one's like doing a little side cart thing. And like, it's the aliveness in their eyes when they even just spend a little bit of time on it is so huge. And then that helps fuel the actual career search and can end up actually, it's like it gives them time and energy back. Whereas people are like, they think they don't have time for it, but it's actually the thing that gives you more time. Right. Absolutely. And then, and then in the, in this same following the same thread of, of examples of different types of career change, I've also seen with people how they'll identify passions and purpose and uh, be able to incorporate those into their existing career. It doesn't always happen like this. Maybe this isn't as common, but sometimes it is possible to redesign a role or make a pivot within the company that you're working for to incorporate more of your passions and purpose. And even if it's not the ultimate fulfilling of you know one's deepest calling, it still could be a huge improvement. And so an example of that from a previous client was um, a young woman I was working with who was in sales and was recognizing that um, her her passions uh, and also her gifts really had a lot more to do with 
uh, bringing groups of people together and um, planning events. It was what she loved to do. So she was able to, she worked at a large company and she was able to transition from her her sales role to an event marketing role and just sort of her, her career took off from there and and was like like she described it, it as like the, the dream job um, and that was all possible you know without leaving her current company so it doesn't always happen like that but but that's possible and to you know to other varying degrees I've had people uh, reshape their roles to incorporate more of their passions to use their strengths better by by advocating for themselves even within the law attorneys who um, I can remember an attorney who was working for a firm and uh, was so dissatisfied with her work. And when we really got to, you know, what it was that wasn't working for her, it was like she felt like she she wasn't getting any of the interesting projects. She was just getting uh, the the work that nobody else wanted to do. And um, and we also realized that she wasn't advocating for herself, which is understandable because those, those, I mean, all firms are different, but it's, it's an intense culture. Uh, there's a lot of politics. It could be scary to speak up from oneself. She hadn't been there that long, uh, but she was able to build some really important relationships over time and um, advocate for the work that she wanted to do and why. Uh, and we put together a, a kind of a compelling pitch or, or argument that was really based on uh, the real value that she was contributing, but but toward the work that she wanted to do. And ultimately, she got uh, reassigned to this huge client um, in Europe, uh, where she was from, uh, that she got to go and work for. And it, and it totally changed uh, her work life there. Such Great examples. I'm thinking even just back to the the event planning one. Like, you know, someone might think that like, oh, I, it, you know, I've realized I love organizing groups. I guess I have to go be a wedding planner, but that sucks because I don't want to give up my weekends. Is that you right. know, it's like as soon as we have some idea, it's such a human trait <laughs> for our limiting beliefs to come rushing in and be like, ah, but here's ten thousand reasons why that's not going to work. And so then again, we come back to not trying. But it's like here, like what I really want people to get is there are so many possibilities. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we just haven't learned how to look at them yet. Like maybe you end up doing a huge pivot to a totally different industry. Maybe you end up redesigning the job you actually have. Maybe you end up finding something that's more aligned within the same company or industry. Maybe you quit the whole damn thing and go start your own thing and you make it whatever you want to. Maybe you just start doing your passion on the side. So you feel more lit up. So you have more energy for work. Maybe, right. you, you know, it's like, there's so many different paths. Maybe you right. go part-time at your corporate job so that you can spend the other half doing a nonprofit or doing volunteering. And it's like, but we don't know which of those things will make any sense until to, to bring it back to your original point, we know who we are, which is such a huge foundation of, I mean, it's a whole reason why this podcast exists. It's all about like coming back home to ourselves and doing the work, doing the personal development or whatever kind of work to just connect inward. And then from that inside out place, once we are connected to who we are, everything else gets so much easier because <laughs> mm -hmm. then we can, it's like we, we have a guidance system within us and it's amazing. It works beautifully. We just haven't been taught how to use it or we've had so many layers of conditioning and external nonsense on top of it that it's going to mm -hmm. grow very quiet. <laughs> And so this is, thank you so much for all of these amazing examples and tools and frameworks and the exercise and perspectives because career is like, it's a huge part of our lives for most of us. It takes up a lot of our time. We may as well enjoy it, 
have it be fulfilling, have it have, you know, whatever kind of impact we want to have on the world around us. Like, and it really can be good. Mm -hmm. That was a beautiful summary of our conversation. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. What, um, just a couple like final closing thoughts here. Like, why is it worth it to do the work? Even if it's, even if it feels hard or daunting, why is it worth it to do the work to figure the shit out? I really believe that everybody has unique gifts and a purpose and that the, the knowing of those things and then the fulfillment and expression of those things enhances hugely that person's life and then also has this ripple effect where they're creating something meaningful. They're being of service in the world. So I also think it benefits others. So it's like discovering one's calling is going to be a part of you living your your best life. And also it's going to make the world a better place in the process. I so agree. It's like, you can't, you know, when we, when we fill our own cups up first, we kind of, and when we fill them to overflowing, we can't help, but like splash that shit on everyone that's around us. <laughs> I mm-hmm. to say, You know, so it really is so worth it. And I'm so grateful that there are guides out there to help because it it's not easy. Um, so I'm really grateful for the work that you do and all the people that you've helped and um, for the time that you're willing to give us today here on this podcast. So thank you so much. If people want to go find you, find the company, um, hire you guys, do your programs, I think you have some different options available for people to work with you guys too. Tell us all the things. Where do they go? What do they do? Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was a really inspiring conversation. It's it's fun for me to, to reconnect to the why behind all of this, behind what we're, what we're both doing. Uh, so thank you. And yes, you can find A Path That Fits at apaththatfits.com, which is, a, which is a mouthful. I hope that's, that's coming through. <laughs> um, a path like a walking pit, path that fits, uh, fits like a glove. So apaththatfits.com. And we have a variety of different ways that you can work with us. Uh, we all offer one-on-one coaching And then we also have a group coaching program that is dynamic, built around an online course, uh, also has live group coaching sessions, small accountability groups, a Facebook group where you can get feedback from our team of coaches. Uh, So that's another possibility. Awesome. Well, anyone who is listening, if this was resonating for you, definitely go check out Adrian and his crew at apaththatfits.com. Check out the programs. And for anyone, if you know people, just because seriously, like so many people are struggling with this. So if you know anybody who is questioning if they're in the right career and is willing to do some exploration, um, my request is that just send them the link to this episode. Let's help as many people as possible find their thing or find their things. You can also have multiple things because the more humans around us that are lit up and alive and stoked and living their best life and doing work they love, the better that is for all of us. I really, truly Mm -hmm. believe that. So thank you again, Adrian, for being here. Really appreciate you. And thank you all for listening in and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.